Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks, to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Coop here. Uh, Welcome back. We've had some really uh, special guests over the last month, everyone from Robin Sharma to Trent Shelton to Bruce Lipton to JJ Virgin to Ariel Ford, to Wim Hof, to Marie Diamond, to Larry King, uh, Maria Nima, Dan Millman, the list goes on. You know, each week I share some tips, strategies, and ideas. And then the following week I bring on a special guest. And today we have another very special guest, someone who I'm actually personally very uh, excited to share with you. I've received so much value from this amazing human being. I haven't had the opportunity to meet him personally, but I feel like he's in. He's with me on my workout daily or when I'm driving in the car uh, in terms of the areas of health, fitness, nutrition. I personally think he's brilliant. He's a master. I think he's a little crazy and out there in, a, in the best way possible. He's uh, considered to be one of the world's top 100 most influential people in the area of health and fitness. He's been the coach to CEOs, biohackers, athletes, author, New York Times best-selling author of Beyond Training. I love his podcast personally. Make sure you listen to his podcast. Welcome to Soul Talk, Ben Greenfield. Ben, welcome. Thanks, Coot. I, I don't know what to think when you say I'm crazy and, and a little bit out there, but it may have something to do with the fact that I think I've, I've, I've tweeted once or twice that I, that I self-administer a coffee enema on myself, so, so I, I suspect yeah, that might have something to do with it. You've done some amazing uh, experiment. Crazy for me, crazy is the best compliment I can give someone because I think you are just pushing the envelope in terms of what's possible for human beings and our capacity, you know, and our potential. I think so many people just settle for the norm, and I see you constantly experimenting and pushing the human body's capacity, and you know, from everything you've done. And so, just know it's it's a it's a huge compliment in in, in many ways. <laughs> All right. So, Great to have you on the show. Uh, listen, uh, you know, for those listening in, some of my audience may not know about your background, and you know, you have a real incredible background in health, fitness, nutrition. So I'm just curious, how did you just just to kind of set a context for those that may not know of you? How did you find your purpose? I mean, for me, it feels like you're really on your purpose, sharing your message, and putting your knowledge and wisdom and information out there. Were you always into health? Was this something you grew up with? Did something happen? I mean, for me, I was a fat kid growing up in. In, uh, in London and chubby and fat and out of shape and ridiculed in school in terms of, uh, you know, sports and was not an athlete. So out of that pain, that drove me to get into health. So how did this start for you? How did you become the Ben Greenfield that we know today? Well, I don't really have a wounded healer story per se. I was never mm. obese, never had had cancer or uh, any other type of chronic illness. I was homeschooled uh, K through 12 in uh, rural North Idaho. And so I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, I'd, I'd finish school by about 11 a.m. each day and just spend the rest of my day hiking and spending time in nature and, uh, you know, d- discovering really the, the joys of physical culture. Uh, and, uh, I, I really, I, I wasn't that into sports. I kind of sort of dabbled in some sports and exercise, but, uh, eventually discovered, uh, the sport of tennis and I really loved tennis. And that was, that was what inspired me really to get into things like, uh, nutrition or, or, you know, healthy eating or, uh, you know, buying a little pair of 10 pound dumbbells and running up and down the hills behind my house. and kind of beginning to exercise a little bit more, you know, up until that point, I was 
you know, I, I was president of the chess club and played a lot of violin and, uh, you know, World of Warcraft and wrote and read fantasy fiction and painted watercolor, but wasn't really, really much of a jock, so to speak. But yeah, mm-hmm. tennis got me into that. And I, I wound up studying exercise physiology and nutrition and biomechanics at the university level. And, um, and that, that kind of led me down the path of uh, opening up a series of personal training studios and gyms, working with a lot of physicians and, uh, you know, speaking at fitness conferences and health conferences. And, you know, it's been about two decades of just kind of total immersion in, in the entire health and fitness and nutrition sector. And, you know, my, uh, my, my purpose has kind of gone from subjecting my own body to, you know, masochistic mm. things like Ironman triathlons and adventure races to uh, really focusing on inspiring as many people as possible uh, to mm. to live a more adventurous and joyful and fulfilling life. So I, I like to uh, I like to think of myself as the guy who helps to keep the world's hard charging high achievers healthy and able to keep doing what they want to do. I love it, man. I love it. I definitely love listening to so much of the information you share in your podcast. And so I'm curious, for, maybe for those listening in who uh, maybe, let's say, someone hasn't taken care of their health, they're, they're, they're hard charging, they're unhealthy, they're not really into nutrition, they eat like, they eat like crap, uh, they don't exercise. Uh, is there a first place that someone who doesn't know what to do with their health or, or they're clueless, you know, really just in, in not a great place. They're, they're not in great shape. Is there, what's the first place someone can start? What, what are the first things someone can perhaps do as a beginning? Because sometimes the, the beginning can be very daunting. Uh, and are there certain uh, fundamentals that uh, basic, natural, easy fundamentals that people can put into place from, from, as, as they begin their health journey? Yeah, I have, uh, I've got probably two main thoughts related to what you've just asked me. Um, the, the first is that we live in an era now in which uh, self-quantification is becoming increasingly accessible and affordable, meaning that you can, you can now do things like food allergy testing, and genetic testing to see what your ancestors might have eaten. And you can do blood testing to see exactly what type of nutrients you may want to consider putting or or not putting into your body. And you can use your genetic testing to also determine what kind of exercise that you would respond best to. You can do uh, stool testing now, what we call microbiome testing of your gut to determine you know, what kind of probiotic bacteria you might want to use or whether or not you need to go on like some kind of a gut healing type of protocol. And of course, you can, you can even look at hormones with things like urinary analysis to see whether you might be a candidate for some kind of uh, hormone replacement. There are very affordable wearables now like rings and wristbands that you can use to track the health of your nervous system, how many steps you've taken what your sleep is like. And uh, with, with access to, to all of this information, really what I like to do and I recommend that someone start is don't shoot in the dark, right? Figure out the diet that's going to be perfect for you, the supplementation program that's going to be customized to what your body needs. Uh, the, the, the Tracking with the wearables allows you to determine how your body is doing from a sleep standpoint, from a recovery standpoint, from a movement and an activity standpoint. So I like to start with gathering data because we're so privileged and that we're actually able to do so. And that really not only helps to steer the ship in the right direction, but also helps you to stay motivated when you're able to actually test how your body is responding to certain activities. That's, that's number one. And number two would be, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very easy now to find a lot of advice out there about movement, you know, slash fitness, slash exercise, yeah. uh, and also nutrition, you know, diets and, and recipes and 
books. And, and I find that a lot of personal trainers, uh, a lot of exercise or, or health coaches or nutritionists or physicians, they focus a lot on, on, the, on the, the fitness and the nutrition piece. But I would encourage people to, to take a deeper dive into the things that seem to truly affect health and longevity, meaning things like the quality of the air that you breathe, the water that you drink, the amount of, of, of electricity, what's known as non-native electricity, like you know how, how much you're constantly bombarded by Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and sound pollution and, and electrical pollution and the environment around you. And then finally, uh, light. You know, how much are you bombarding your body with, with fluorescent light, LED light, and all these things that we know cause kind of a, a background, a, a flicker, and, and a little bit of, of uh, what's, what's called mitochondrial damage because your skin has photoreceptors in it just like your eyes and your, your body is constantly responding to light cues. So, so yes, focus on exercise and, and focus on nutrition, but also consider some of these hidden and, and often neglected environmental variables like uh, you know, using an air filter and water filter, use, getting as much natural light as possible and limiting unnatural light, especially in the evenings before you go to bed at night. And then, you know, if you're, if you're not using your phone, put it in airplane mode. Uh, don't assume your body is simply impervious to electricity and, and that you can, you know, get on an airplane with the Wi-Fi signals bouncing around and have those just, you know, not, not affect your body at all. So, so consider some of those variables too. You know, when I'm, when I'm working with someone, I'm not just looking at their, their workouts or what, you know, their, what they're shoving into their gaping paw from a dietary standpoint, but also a lot of these little things that really move the dial from a health standpoint. Mm. Are there any other like fundamental habits that someone listening in, you talked about lights and air, uh, are there any other core habits that are fundamental to what you see being uh, important for individuals to cultivate health? I mean, the light was one of them being well, light being over the quality yeah. of the air. Just wondering if there's certain things you see. Obviously, we're all different. We need to customize, which I think is really, really great input. But maybe there's some fundamentals that we can practice that. If we follow, I don't know if there's five fundamentals or seven fundamentals that you've seen in the last 20 years, like, wow, these core things are necessary for health to be present. Yeah, um, there, there, there are many, but uh, the, the main thing, I'm, I'm going to, again, give you, give you the first two things that come to mind when you ask me that question. Sure. The first is that a complete human optimization comes down to the body, the mind, and the spirit. The body, you know, the question of muscles and, and, and flesh and, and bones, uh, that, that responds very well to a combination of low-level physical activity throughout the day, which we see prevalent in a lot of these blue zones or areas where people are living a disproportionately long period of time, meaning lots of walking, lots of movement, taking the stairs, lifting heavy objects when you have the ability to lift heavy objects, occasionally sprinting or getting the heart rate elevated. But ultimately, you know, you don't see in a lot of these blue zones, you know, formal gym sessions or CrossFit workouts mm -hmm. or very hardcore exercise sessions each day. As much as you see a lot of natural movement kind of woven in throughout the day as much as possible. You know, I have a lot of my clients do things like keep a, a kettlebell in their cubicle and hang a pull-up bar in the door of the office. And, you know, right now as we're talking, I'm, I'm walking on the treadmill that's right in front of my desk <laughs> so I can take, you know, my, my 10,000 steps during the day while I'm, while I'm on the phone or while speaking to clients or mm. recording podcasts. And so from a body standpoint, those are some of the things to bear in mind. You know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like that very simple rule of, of lift, move, and sprint. Uh, mm -hmm. from, from a mind standpoint, because this is very, very common in physical culture. People just, they're very good at optimizing their body, but it's at the neglect of, of a couple of the other components I wanted to touch on, and that would be the mind. 
in the spirit. You know, the, the brain will shrivel if it's not used just like any other muscle. And a lot of the onset of Alzheimer's and, and dementia, sure, some of it comes from a crappy diet with vegetable oils and, and sugars, and some of it can come from, from toxins and, and metals and then pollution, but some of it does come also simply from the body or the, or the brain specifically, not really engaging in, in what's known as neurogenesis, the building of new neurons and new networks within the nervous system. And this is accomplished by challenging your mind, by stimulating your mind, by learning new things, whether that's painting or music or a language or, you know, some, some kind of instrument that you've been wanting to learn to play or, or a book that delves into something other than, than what you're already familiar with, you know, the business that you're in or, or what you're constantly reading. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to, to read books that teach me new things. Uh, I also like to read quite a bit of fiction. I play guitar and ukulele and every week I try and learn some kind of a new song that makes a little bit of smoke come out my ears. Whenever I travel to a new section of the world, I make it a point to try and learn just, just a handful, you know, like the 10 to 15 survival phrases that I'll need in that area of the world. And I'm constantly cognizant of, of not letting my brain get into a comfort zone, you know, growing my mind and caring for my mind. Again, not only via the, the omission of things like constant bombarding of, of Wi-Fi or, you know, or, or eating foods that, that tend to create some amount of neural inflammation, but also by presenting my brain with new challenges on a frequent basis. I even have this, this rule that, that kind of crosses over between the, the body and, and the mind that I, every quarter, need to do one thing that just scares the hell out of me. You know, for example, that could be a, a bow hunting or a spear fishing trip. It could be some kind of competition. It could be an open mic night. It could be learning, you know, a bit of, of Mandarin Chinese and going to the local Chinese restaurant and trying to order in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. You know, things, things that just take the mind out of its comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then finally, mm-hmm. for complete human optimization, you also need to care for your spirit. You know, many of us have optimized our bodies and our, and our minds, yep. what we're walking around with with shriveled up, neglected souls or spirits. And really that's, I I think, one one of the most core and integral parts of being a human. What what does it mean to care for your spirit? Well, in in every religion, in every culture, and especially among, you know, great, great, uh, you know, prophets or or teachers of the past, like, you know, Jesus or, or Buddha, for example, we, we find elements of the spiritual discipline such as, Meditation, prayer, solitude, silence, mm. fasting, worship, you know, it, and, and these, these are, are spiritual disciplines that, that are, you know, you can consider to be, you know, a, a gymnasium for the body, just as a gym is a, or a mm. health club is a gymnasium, uh, or I'm sorry, a gymnasium for the spirit, you know, like, like a gym or a health mm. club is a gymnasium for the body. And you must also pay attention to these variables. I mean, when, when you look at my bookshelf, sure, I've got books like, you know, kettlebell training and maps made simple and, you know, four hour Mm -hmm. body and, you know, all all these books related to exercise. But then I've also Mm -hmm. got books like, you know, the, the Jesuit guide and and solitude and powered by nature Mm -hmm. and celebration of discipline and, you know, guides on fasting Mm -hmm. and solitude and a lot of these elements of the spiritual disciplines that, that I think are also very important. So if you really want to optimize yourself as a, as a complete human, you must focus on the body, on the mind, and on the spirit, and not on just one of those variables. And then the, the other part, the, the, the second thing that I wanted to mention when you were asking me about kind of, kind of must-dos to really optimize the health, yeah. I think a big, big part of it comes down to what actually produces energy in the human body. Mm-hmm. What actually produces ATP, your body's primary energy currency. And that would be something called the mitochondria. You know, these tiny organelles that are inside nearly every cell of your entire body. Well, how do you care for the mitochondria? It, it comes down to really, really there, there, are, there are six main things 
that optimize mm -hmm. the mitochondria. It's, uh, it, it's light, it's water, it's minerals, it's heat, it's cold, and it's what's known as grounding or earthing. Now I'll very, very briefly describe each of those to you. So when it comes to light, near and far infrared light are amazing for the mitochondria. And the sunlight offers a full spectrum of those, as do a lot of these, these things you can find like infrared saunas, near and far infrared uh, light panels, light producing devices, so-called you know, biohacking tools like this. So I have, a, I have an infrared sauna. I also have a, what are known as, as photobiomodulation panels in my office that produce mm -hmm. near-infrared light that I switch on when I'm sipping my cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I get outside into as much natural sunlight as possible, especially early in the day, because that helps out quite a bit. A lot of people don't know this, but it helps out quite a bit with sleep later on at night when you can get as much natural sunlight as possible early in the day. So light is important. Uh, the, the next thing that I mentioned was heat and cold. So I make it a point, and there's a wonderful series of studies that have come out of Finland showing the life-extending properties of sweating and sauna. And so I'm a big fan of, of being a member of a health club or a gym that has a good sauna or, or even purchasing a sauna device or sauna wrap or, or, or infrared sauna or a dry sauna like a barrel sauna for your home. And getting inside that, you know, anywhere from three to five times a week and just breaking a good sweat for about 20 to 30 minutes, there's a variety of benefits from increased mitochondrial production, what's known as mitochondrial biogenesis, to uh, you know, detoxification. Your skin is your body's largest detoxification organ, so you're able to sweat out a lot of the, lot of the metals and the toxins we're exposed to. No matter how clean a life we live, we do live in a post-industrial era in which you're exposed to, you know, brake dust on the side of the road to, you know, to, to metals and that wonderful, you know, sashimi or sushi dinner that you have. And it's important to be able to just allow your body to, to detoxify. You'll detoxify through your air that you breathe and through your stool, you know, from your daily bowel movement. But sweating is enormously helpful at this. And so, uh, some form of heat each day. The body also, especially the mitochondria, responds quite well to cold exposure. Most of my clients, uh, they'll, they'll do a sauna almost every day uh, and or some kind of a cold shower where they'll get in the shower for five minutes and go from heat to cold to heat again or do a sauna mm. but then go and take a cold shower or jump into a cold bath or a cold pool or, or once a week go and swim in a, in a cold lake or a river or take a dip into the ocean but you know a lot of people hit the gym every day but never actually get cold and, and getting cold is yeah. very very beneficial to the body so you've got light especially natural light you have heat you have cold and then a few of the other things i mentioned three other things i mentioned one is water good clean pure yeah. water and if you can get water mm. that that's been uh, either what's known as structured you can buy a structured water unit and this basically passes water through minerals or through glass beads that make water very similar to what you get if you're drinking water from a pristine mountain spring or, or water that's been, you know, tumbling over rocks through, through underground corridors as the water travels through the earth. It's very important to drink water that's as close to nature as possible. And, and you know, municipal water that's just chock full of pharmaceuticals and birth control pills has been... Mm sitting in cisterns is about as far from that as you can get. So either I, I, I drink structured water and the other form of water that I drink mm. is water that's rich in hydrogen. Uh, and this is kind mm. of a newer thing in, in health sectors, but hydrogen rich water, either a hydrogen rich water generator, or hydrogen rich tablets uh, actually cause the body to become hydrated far more readily. And so I start off every single day and end every day with a giant mason glass jar full of structured mm. and hydrogen-rich water. And then the other thing that, that the mitochondria respond very beneficially to is adding minerals to your water. So I always have mm. wonderful salts around the house, like, like Himalayan salt and Celtic salt and Mexican salt and Kona black salt and Florida cell. And when I go to restaurants, mm. I ask them for, you know, a little, little uh, glass or, or, or jar or whatever the best salt is that they have. And I'm constantly salting my food and, 
salting my water for, for those who are concerned that salt's bad for you, you know, go read a book like, yeah. uh, like the salt fix, you know, which came out a couple of years ago that kind of dispels a lot of these myths about salt and highlights mm-hmm. how good minerals are for the body. So I do a lot of water, but I also do a lot of mineral to allow my body to be able mm-hmm. to better absorb that water and to allow my body to mm-hmm. operate better uh, as a battery. You know, the human body is, mm-hmm. a, is just a, a giant bunch of electrical signals. And there's a wonderful book about mm-hmm. this called The Body Electric by Dr. Robert Becker. But uh, adding mm-hmm. minerals along with water is very good. So you have good natural light. You have your heat. You have cold. You have water. You have minerals. And then this concept of earthing or grounding is based on the idea that this entire planet that we're blessed to live upon actually produces very good natural healing electromagnetic signals that you're exposed to when you engage in natural activities like going outside and, and, and touching trees or climbing on rocks or being barefoot on the surface of the planet or, or walking with your shoes off on the beach you know, the, the, the earth is actually very healing. And a lot of people have kind of lost our natural ancestral intimate connection with the planet earth. I'm not saying you got to go outside and, you know, camp or, or, or sleep on the ground every night, but you do need to get outside Mm. and get outside barefoot and, and get on the beach or, or occasionally when you go on a hike, slip off your shoes, or if you travel Mm. a lot, go find a nice park and, you know, do some, do some yoga or some stretching while you're laying on your back on the grass. So, mm. so those, those are six of the things the body responds very well to are, mm. are water and minerals, mm. heat and cold, earthing and grounding and natural light. And furthermore, uh, like I was mentioning before that you need to care not just for your body, but also for your mind and for your spirit. Mm. And when you weave those mm. principles into what I was talking about even earlier than that, natural low-level physical activity during the day, occasionally lifting something heavy, occasionally uh, 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 sprinting, uh, you, you begin to, to create a body that actually operates the way that, that a human body should. And then you weave in some of those other things I talked about, right? Like quantifying, testing your body, testing your blood, getting a genetic test doing a little bit of a, a urinary or, or a stool test to be able to really know how you should be eating, how you should be moving and also keep you accountable and keep you motivated. And then you get something that you can quantify like a ring or a wearable so you can track your steps and your sleep and your nervous system. Well, now you're really setting yourself up for success in life when it comes to yeah. caring for your body, caring for your brain, even caring for your spirit. You know, you learn new mm-hmm. things, you engage in spiritual disciplines and now you're really beginning to kind of nail each of these tiny little things that add up to keep you healthy and 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 living a long time and not just living a long time but feeling really good doing it Mm, i love it i love those questions i I particularly love because partly it's my field what you brought in ben about the 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 importance of the, the component of spirit because i think so many times i see people in biohacking or fitness focus on purely the body and they miss the, the the mind or they miss definitely the spirit and i think that's an important component in terms of the spirit are there you know you talked about solitude and fasting and are, are there any specific things that you found particularly helpful in terms of cultivating that sort of spiritual fitness that and why have you? Why do you feel that impacts someone's overall health? Well, we know that there's there's uh, an intimate connection between the emotions and mm-hmm. and and your just your outlook in life and mm-hmm. your immune system strength, your mm-hmm. gut integrity. Uh, your your mm. dopamine and your serotonin and all these all these uh, all, all these important neurotransmitters and the, and the levels of those your ability to recover mm. your sleep quality a lot of these are linked to your emotions and your spiritual health and 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 furthermore for for me the spiritual disciplines aren't just something I do because I think they're going to whatever give me better levels of dopamine or or give me just an extra 2% of, of deep sleep cycles. Like that's all good and that's all well, but a big part of it for me is so that I can become uh, 
I, I can become more like, you know, a lot of these, these prophets of old, these people that, that have, yeah. have really been able to make a marked difference in the world to be able to, to, to spread the, the wealth of spirituality and a healthy soul to as many people as possible to be, um, you know, if, if we were to use a, you know, kind of like a, like a more westernized Christian description, almost like become a more mm. godlike person, a more godly person, yes. someone who's, mm. who's, who's really operating at a different level when it comes to frequencies of peace and love and joy, rather than some of the lower frequencies of, of anger or, or fear or, or shame. You know, the way my mom mm. used to describe it to me was when, when something goes wrong, when somebody bumps you the wrong way, what comes out, honey or vinegar? You know, how, are, how yeah. are you going to affect the world and affect people around you? And, and so when, yeah. it, when it comes to equipping yourself to be that kind of person, how does this manifest itself in terms of practical application? Well, a few of the things that I've found to work very well for me, number one is I start off every day with gratitude. So each morning I wake up and I have a gratitude journal. Uh, I, I actually uh, used used this form of gratitude journaling for a couple of years. And that, now I actually, uh, I, I produce and publish a gratitude journal based on these principles. Uh, but what I do is I wake up and I always read something spiritual or devotional to begin the day. Mm -hmm. uh, something, something that just starts off my day with a real focus on spirituality. So that can be a little bit of scripture. Um, right now I'm working through a, a big series of books on, on just becoming a better man, primarily because my boys are almost 11 years old and they're kind of getting close to that threshold of crossing from boys to men. And I really want to be able to yes. equip them to better do that. So right now, you know, I'm, I'm reading uh, the rational male and the way of the superior man. So, so I start off, but, but then what I write down in the gratitude journal is what truth did I discover in today's reading? that I'm reading with mindfulness. Mm. And then also, mm. what am I grateful for? So I write down the one thing I'm grateful for. And then the final thing that I write, because this really allows you to increase the level of empathy that you have and also to be mm. more others-facing during the day, right? Rather than starting off with your mm. affirmation of me, 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 I, 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 what am I going to accomplish? I'm good, I'm great, I'm wonderful, and gosh darn it, people like me. Instead, mm. what I ask myself is what is one person who I can pray for or help or serve mm. this day. And I write down the Beautiful. name of that one person. And it doesn't mean you're going to like, you know, if you write down your, your, whatever, your grandma, you're going to hop on a plane and go, you know, you know, fly to grandma's house and knock on her door and offer to mow her lawn. But it means you might, you know, call your, call your grandmother up and say hello. Or even, you know, if time is tight, mm. you just, Right, right then and there, you say a prayer, or you put her on your heart, or mm. or you or you close your eyes and you send a feeling of love or gratitude mm. or peace her way. Right, and and so mm. uh, that that's one thing is my gratitude practice uh, that I start off my mm. day with. That mm. that's one essential for me, and so that's one thing with the gratitude journaling. Uh, another one is is some element of silence, solitude, and meditation at some mm. point during the day withdrawing myself from the, the, the go, 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 the emails jumping out from the inbox and the computer, all the phone calls and text messages and, and, and just, just the, the hubbub of this post-industrial era that we live in. And for me, that's usually, uh, you, you know, I, I'm kind of doubling it up with some of those principles I talked about earlier. But like mm -hmm. I mentioned, I do the sauna and I've got a little, little cold soak outside. And so, for me, typically at some point during the day, I slip into the sauna for 15 to 30 minutes and I sit silently. I do some breath work, do some mindfulness meditation, uh, close my eyes and dwell on feelings of peace and love and joy and often say some prayers and speak to God. And then I walk out forest out to the cold pool and I lower myself into the cold pool and I control my breath and I, I stay in the cold pool silently and again, just look up at the sky, the sunshine, the stars, whatever time of day it is, the snow falling or the sun shining, and mm. you continue to just focus on silence and solitude. And you, you can see how I'm kind of a multitasker, right? I'm combining some of the, mm. some of the, some of the things that make the body and the mitochondria better along with the spiritual practices. Mm. You know, and then I finish up and I, I walk back inside. And so I'm kind of weaving in breath work, meditation, 
heat, cold, mm. silence, and solitude in, into one single session that I'll typically do at the beginning or at the end of the day. And then a couple other non-negotiables for me are, uh, number one, love, life, fellowship, and, and relationships. That's very important. We know mm. that loneliness is a growing epidemic. And and for me, that's family dinners. Family dinners are just a non-negotiable in our house. We all gather and we share our thoughts of gratitude for the day. This is pretty much daily as a, as a practice in terms of dinners? Yeah, sometimes we'll save family dinner to like 9 p.m. at night. And, and I realize that flies mm. in the face what everybody says about eating a big meal before bed. But it's such a priority that even if we have to put off dinner until everybody's done with all their activities for the day, those, those family yeah. dinners are non-negotiable. When, when I travel, I, I have like a list of all my contacts in every city that I travel to. And I always put together dinners when I travel, meaning I'll, I'll get six mm. to eight people, which is kind of like the food spot. If you read a book like Mastermind uh, Dinners by, uh, by Jason Gaynor, you know, he goes into mm. how, to, how to arrange these dinners in different locations around the globe. So I always get six to eight people together at dinner and and it's not a business dinner. It's not a dinner with some kind of a, mm. like a, a, you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's no goal for the dinner aside from just laugh and fellowship and, and socialize. You know, it's not like, Oh, what kind of a deal am I going to get? Or what kind of affiliate launch am I going to do with this person? Yes. Or, you know, how, how can this person better provide their services to me? It's just, just a chance to, to hang out with people, with humans. And I do the same thing mm. at home. Uh, once a once a month, I throw some kind of a dinner where I invite people from the local community, people I've been wanting to know. Sometimes it's just like whatever my my chiropractic doc or or you know some of my mm -hmm. my wife's friends or some of my children's friends and their parents or the school teacher or you know my brother or my mom or whatever. And I, I have some kind of a dinner, mm -hmm. but but I always go out of my way to you know even though I'm introverted and it kind of plays flies in the face of what I naturally want to do. I have some kind of a breaking of bread with people on a frequent basis. And, and this idea of fellowship and, and dinners is, is another kind of non-negotiable for me. So there are plenty of other things that I do, but, but those would be three big ones. I start off each day with gratitude. I have some time during the day that I set aside for silence, solitude, prayer, and meditation. And again, I often combine those with the heat and the cold. Uh, and then finally, uh, some, some kind of emphasis placed on breaking bread with people, having a meal with people, and if you have a family, making family dinners uh, every single day of the week or as many days of the week as possible, a real non-negotiable. I love it. In terms of, you know, you talked about the mind then, and, and we talked about the spirit. In terms of the mind, the brain, I'm curious, uh, what have you seen as some of the maybe the most important or are there uh, some most important supplements that we can take as human beings uh, for the, to, to, to strengthen the mind's capacity to, and it doesn't, doesn't have to be a particular brand, but in terms of supplementation, can you speak a bit about that? What are some of the most important supplements we can take to optimize our brain, our mental awareness, um, as a whole, to, so that we can yeah. stay kind of aware and sharp as we, you know, especially okay. as, as, as age, as we, you know, go older to 120, uh, 80, 90, uh, the older we get. Yep. Yep. No, no, of course I, I should couch this and, and, I, and, and I think, you know, it's probably already apparent that, that this is important, but you know, you, you never can out supplement your way out of a, out of a poor lifestyle. So let's assume yeah. you're, you're getting at it sleep. Let's assume you're learning new things on a frequent basis. Let's assume you're, you're root, you've ruthlessly eliminated things that, that really affect the brain, like, like vegetable oils and sugar from your diet. Mm. And you're also eating lots of the healthy, like Mediterranean style fats, like fish oils and, and olive oil and avocados and, and olives and, and all these things that help to benefit the brain uh, in terms of its ability to build new neurons. And you're also shutting down brain inflammation by eating a lot of herbs and spices like rosemary and thyme and turmeric and curcumin and, and curries and cinnamon and, you know, all these different phytonutrients that help to support the brain. Uh, and you've got the heat and the cold and you're being careful with too much Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth and you're getting out in the natural sunlight and you're even sparking these neurotransmitters that get released with with gratitude and, and fellowship and, and the spiritual practices. Let's assume that you've got all of that nailed. 
okay, mm-hmm. now you now you're kind of justified and, and you're able to say, okay, well, what 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 what's the icing on the cake? What can I do to to spark cognition when I'm when I'm maybe I'm maybe I've traveled and I'm low on sleep, or maybe I have this eight-hour conference I got to get through, or maybe I I've got a speech on stage I got to give and I just want my I want my word recall to just be flawless, you know. Well, then yeah, we can delve into a little bit of better living through science and and the world of nootropics and smart drugs is quite deep. You know, I, I have massive articles on my website over at BenGreenfieldFitness.com on you know, all manner of different, different, you know, everything from how to microdose with LSD to, you know, reviews of all these different supplement stacks that are out there. But let me give you three that, that work pretty well. Okay. Uh, that, that probably fly under the radar for a lot of people. So uh, one is, um, it, it's a, it's, it's a stack that involves a, a little known, what's known as a peptide, which is a series of amino acids. Uh, and, and this is like, this is the next level of supplementation. Peptides are going to be the next frontier of the sports supplement world. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that owns a supplement company, so I, I look into this mm. stuff a lot. And I, I shouldn't even say sports supplements because peptides are really big in the anti-aging and the health and the hormone sector too now. But there's one called CMAX, S-E-M-A-X, delivered as a nasal spray or as an injectable, like you would inject it in the skin by your belly button with an insulin syringe. And it gives you this massive, clean burst of cognitive energy and the birth of a growth of new neurons for about five hours. And you would stack that, meaning you would take it at the same time as to magnify those effects even more with what's called a racetam. You can buy a racetam uh, off, you know, like an anaracetam or, a, or another one's known as a puracetam. You can get these off of, off of Amazon, for example, and you stack CMAX with a racetam. This would be like, basically, if you want like a, like a, a five-hour version of the limitless pill, this would be it, okay? Mm-hmm. So the CMAX peptide with a racetam, not many people know of or talk about that stack, but I want to give you some things that, that kind of fly under the radar here. So that would be one, CMAX plus a racetam. Another very good stack that's kind of more like a, a poor man's stack, but the classic one used by, used by you know, like the, 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 the stereotypical, like, author with the cup of coffee and the cigarette hanging out of their mouth, right? The caffeine-nicotine stack. Caffeine and nicotine work fabulously together, and, and this is something you can, on a budget, use during the day. Nicotine, it can, you know, the drawback is that like caffeine, it can be a little bit addictive, but I still think the pros outweigh the cons. The nicotine in the absence of a cigarette is actually pretty healthy. Mm. So uh, problem with nicotine is there's a lot of nicotine that, you know, nicotine gum is artificial sweeteners and artificial dyes and all these compounds in it that ironically enough kind of harm the brain. But there's this company called uh, Blue Brain Boost that'll sell nicotine is just pure nicotine. You want to keep this out of the reach of children. The bottle, the tiny little mm-hmm. bottle has 750 milligrams of nicotine in it. One drop is the equivalent of, of basically chewing on, on a, like a two milligram, uh, you know, piece of nicotine gum, but it's very convenient. So you can just mm-hmm. kind of keep that in your wallet or your bag and, and, you know, you have a cup of coffee and you, you put a couple drops of nicotine in your mouth and then just drink a cup of black coffee mm-hmm. And man, that, that's another one that just sparks neurogenesis and gives you this, this energy. It, gives you, it, it can cause a little bit of the jitters, but if, if you want to get past the jitters, you add a third component, not to make this too complex. You add a third component, mm-hmm. and that's theanine. And theanine, when you stack it with caffeine and nicotine, makes the energy high more clean and leaves you less likely to have a crash. So you get some theanine powder or theanine mm-hmm. capsules, and you take about 100 milligrams of theanine, at the same time that you do around two milligrams of nicotine and a cup of coffee. And that's another one that, that, that is a far more budget friendly alternative to something like CMAX plus aracetam. Uh, and then the last one that I would throw out there for you would be uh, a stack that I wouldn't recommend you do this any more than every three days because you get a big rush of dopamine and serotonin and you don't want to grow tolerance to those kind of compounds, but uh, it would be uh, a stack comprised of lion's mane mushroom extract. Okay, lion's mane is very cool. When you find it in nature, it looks like a cluster of axons and dendrites. It's kind of based on this doctrine of signatures that 
what something looks like in nature might be good for the intended function for the body. So if you look at like the root of the comfrey plant, it looks like a bunch of knuckles and joints and it's very good for the bones. Or if you slice a pomegranate or a tomato in half, it looks like the chambers of the heart. Tomatoes and pomegranate are very good for heart function. Or if you crack open an egg in a pan or slice a carrot horizontally, it kind of looks like an eye. And both of those are very good for your vision. Uh, and you look at this lion's mane, it looks like a, like a giant cluster of, of neurons. That's very good for building new neurons. Well, even though lion's mane is pretty good by itself, if you're able to stack that with anything that causes a big rush of blood, uh, I like beetroot uh, or the supplement niacin. Those would be two examples. Uh, and then the third mm. component of that stack would be if you can get your hands on it, psilocybin, a small dose of psilocybin, uh, you know, basically just magic mushroom extract. You can, you can, you can mm. find some forms of psilocybin online now. Um, a lot of times you just got to know like a, a farmer or, you know, or, or somebody who, who's, who has it growing on their property. But I, I've got a couple sources of psilocybin. So you can take lion's mane by itself, but you stack lion's mane with a small dose of psilocybin, like about 0.1 to 0.2 grams of psilocybin, and a little bit of a blood release agent like niacin or, uh, or beetroot. That one is, is incredible for enhancing your sensory perception, uh, enhancing your mood, enhancing your energy, and, and that, that, that's another good one for, for a long, hard day of work. So those would be three stacks not a lot of people know about, but that work very effectively. It would be Cmax plus Aracetam, caffeine plus the nicotine with the option of adding in theanine, and then uh, lion's mane with the option of adding in psilocybin and either niacin or beetroot. Three big stacks right there. You mentioned you mentioned uh, the food component. We kind of quickly went over that, but I think for those that might be like, whoa, okay, that, that, there's a lot of information. If we went to the fundamentals in terms of, because uh, you mentioned before you talked about the supplements, assuming you have these things in place, can you just kind of quickly just break down, like what, what are some of the, you mentioned them, what are some of the worst things we can eat? Uh, and what are some of the best things we can eat? And are there some things that typically uh we think are good for us but you've realized that actually it's a myth you know they're terrible that you can maybe sort of demystify so what are some of the worst things we can eat as human beings uh and the best things okay robust of energy uh, and lightness and yeah I'll, I'll give you i'll give you the basic overview if there were two things yes. that you could control when it comes to your health span and your lifespan it would be your glycemic variability and your inflammation. Uh, glycemic variability yeah. is how much your blood glucose goes up and down during the day, and inflammation is how inflamed you are, right? Like how, how many, what are, what are known as oxidants are floating around in your body causing damage to cells, to DNA, to cell membranes, to mitochondria, et cetera. When it comes to glycemic variability, the trick is to basically eat slow-release carbohydrates or when you do have carbohydrates, combine them with protein or fiber to slow their release even more. And when you have carbohydrates, try not to eat the ones that are high on the glycemic index, like processed sugars, you know, even whole wheat bread has a higher glycemic index than that of a Snickers bar. Um, you know, I, I basically save any of my sugar or my carbohydrate intake for after a workout, which is when the body is most sensitive to that and tends to just shove it back into muscles to be used as energy rather than having that sugar mm. hang around in the bloodstream for a long period of time. Okay, so glycemic variability is very important to control, and there are even bitters and herbs and spices like Ceylon cinnamon and apple cider vinegar and berberine and bitter melon extract and curcumin and a lot of these spices and herbs that also help to control your blood sugar, especially before a carbohydrate-rich meal. Uh, now, inflammation inflammation, the number one cause of inflammation is vegetable oil consumption, primarily from vegetable oils that have been exposed to a lot of pressure or heat, like sunflower oil or safflower oil or canola oil. So what you want to do is for any fats that you consume, you want them to be very stable fats that are resistant to oxidation, even at high temperatures, such as avocado oil, macadamia nut oil, really good grass-fed butter or ghee, coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil. 
your fat intake is going to profoundly influence your inflammation potential. And if you eat out a lot, mm -hmm. please know that most restaurants, they even five-star restaurants in Napa Valley, for example, they cook their foods in canola oil and sunflower oil and safflower oil. And so what I do at a restaurant is I always just ask that little question to the, to the server, what, what oil or fat is this cooked in? And in many cases, if you make a request at the restaurant, like, you know, the wonderful fried Brussels sprouts at the steakhouse, you can just say, hey, could you prepare the Brussels sprouts in butter or in extra virgin olive oil? And they'll do so. You just have to ask. You know, a lot of cases, restaurants have the good fats back there. They just don't use them. But if you ask, they will. So to ruthlessly control your sugar and your vegetable oil consumption, uh, that, that would be a biggie for, you, for your brain health. Yeah. and for just your, your overall health. Um, and then when it yeah. comes to something that people think is healthy for them that, that often isn't, I would say one of the biggest ones would be uh, whole grains. Uh, you know, quinoa, amaranth, millet, wheat, uh, you know, whole grain bread. Plants have natural built-in defense mechanisms that need to be deactivated. And the only way to deactivate things mm -hmm. like lectins and phytic acids and a lot of these anti-nutrients that we find in plants, because plants can't run from us. They're not like animals. They don't have horns and teeth and hooves and, and they're not able to like get away and hide. They instead just have things that irritate the human gut. And this doesn't mean you, should, doesn't mean you got to switch to a carnivore diet and not eat plants. But what it does mean is if you have, for example, bread, it must be like fermented sourdough bread in order for it not to cause damage to the human gut. If you have Mm -hmm. um, let, let's say uh, quinoa, it needs to be uh, rinsed and then soaked overnight, uh, prepared in what we would call mm -hmm. an ancestral manner. We, we know that a lot of these foods that, that we simply will grab off the shelf at the grocery store and make quickly are foods that are prepared far more slowly in ancestral cultures, like, like rice is, mm -hmm. is, is soaked and rinsed and soaked again in, in vinegar and the water is discarded and then Finally, you, 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 you would cook it. And, you know, if you cook it in oil and then put it in the refrigerator and take it back out, you, you, you've got rice that is far more easy to digest. The same can be said for quinoa or, you know, or taking your wheat and, and you know, or, or even like very popular now, overnight oats. Those are wonderful because the oats are soaked overnight and pre-digested and your gut's able to handle them. And so that's one of the biggies is, is whole grains can be good for you but they need to be prepared in a, in a far more ancestral way. And I can't say that any one diet is a diet that I recommend or endorse, right? You need to, going back to your very first question, you need to ideally, you know, test, find out what your ancestors ate, see what your gut is able to handle, see what specific nutrients your blood and your body need. But we do know that there are certain elements, no matter the diet, that are prevalent mm. in a lot of populations that live for a long period of time, from Okinawa to Sardinia to Nicoya to, to uh, Loma Linda. What are those elements? Mm. Well, we see high intake of herbs, spices, and if prepared in that ancestral method that I just described, wild plants, mm. we see quite a bit of fasting intermittent fasting, periods of time for 12 to 16 hours each day where you go without food or a weekly 24-hour fast or even like a block leading up to Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever where you're not eating any meat or dairy and it's a very clean diet or, you know, some kind of a, a cleanse to begin each season of spring, summer, winter, and fall. We see fasting. Mm. We see a lot of local eating, a lot of seasonal eating rather than just going to the grocery store and buying the same thing all year long instead trying to eat the foods that happen to be growing in the season that you're in locally, meaning that if you live in, say, where I live in the, in the Northwest, well, apples might, you know, really be in season from August through October, and so apples might only be a key component of my diet during the fall. You know, I, I might eat more fermented foods and meats in the winter and more fresh foods and, and you know, and, and fish and fruits in the summer, et cetera. So a lot of seasonal and local eating. And then finally, mm -hmm. another characteristic that you see quite prevalent across, you know, many of these areas returns to something I talked about earlier, and it would be eating in a parasympathetic state, chewing the food for long periods of time, praying before a meal, breathing before a meal, eating with others, mm -hmm. fellowshipping, having family dinners, and having food be more than just like 
stuffing some kind of a packaged product into your gaping maw as you're driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour or hunched over your laptop replying to emails, actually honoring the consumption of food and taking the time to allow your body to receive it in a very peaceful manner. So those are, those are some of the biggies when it comes to, to fueling the body and the brain. I love it. I love it. Ben, I think I could, I could definitely speak to you forever. You've been so far a fount of knowledge. It's clear that you are definitely living your purpose and inspire, definitely an inspiration, folks. We're listening to uh, this special podcast interview with Ben Greenfield, Ben Greenfield Fitness. You have to check this guy out. I've been listening to his podcast for quite a while now and uh, continue to learn a lot in terms of health and fitness and nutrition and I really love the, the spiritual component actually that you're bringing in there. Just to honor your time Ben, thank you for being so generous. Uh, one final question is you've shared a lot in this conversation. If there were three, based on everything you've learned, not just in health, nutrition, but just throughout your life, being a human being as a man, as a husband, as a father, if there were three key life lessons that you would pass on to the next generation, the most important things that you felt you've learned uh, through, you know, success, through failure, through living. Uh, and these were the only three things you could pass on to your, your kids and their kids, et cetera, et cetera. What were the most important three keys that you would like to pass on and uh, have the listeners hear? Let's stick to the theme of this show today and split them into body, mind, and spirit. So body. Engage in low-level physical activity as much as possible during the day, preferably in nature. For the mind, learn at least one new thing every week. And for the spirit, love God and love others. Those are really the two greatest commandments in the scriptures, for example, to love God and to love others. And I, I would say if you do those three things, you taking some pretty good steps to optimizing body, mind, and spirit. Engaging some low-level activity each day. Learn one new thing each week. Love God and love others. I, that's, that's definitely my favorite thing. It's been a joy having you on the show. I want to thank you for just sharing, pumping out so much great knowledge each week. You've had a, a, an amazing impact on my life in the area of health and nutrition. Then, uh, is there a, a homework assignment that you could uh, assign, like, those listening in, I, I don't want this podcast to just be information. If there's like a specific homework that, let's say, you could give people that they could go do right now, this moment, uh, immediately yeah. after listening, what would it sure. be? Sure. I've, I've got one. It's, it's sometimes not people's favorite, but it'll make a big difference no in your life, it. especially if you do this for the next, for the next 30 days. Take a two-minute cold shower every day for the next 30 days and just see what happens to your brain, to your weight loss, to your energy levels, to your stress resilience, uh, to your breath, to your sleep. So two-minute cold shower, try it out. Beautiful. Folks, you heard it, two-minute cold shower. I want you to send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. I would like you to share with me your key takeaways from this episode with Ben Greenfield and let me know for the next 30 days how your two-minute cold shower assignment goes. Ben, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work and just tap into your knowledge? I know you have a podcast, but what's the best website and best way? Yeah, just uh, bengreenfieldfitness.com. Beautiful. Folks, you heard it, bengreenfieldfitness.com. We'll put the link in the show notes and definitely check out Ben's uh, amazing podcast. This man is pumping out so much wisdom uh, daily, weekly. Uh, check out his his website and his podcast. Ben, thanks for coming on, folks. It's been a great episode. Uh, let me know your key takeaways, and I look forward to connecting with you next week in another episode of Soul Talk. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know, and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week, where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply 
Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.